John 8, and we are in verses 12 through 20. John 8, 12 through 20. And if I read Luke 8, 12 through 20, like I almost did, that would be interesting. I'd say, I'm not ready to preach this sermon, but I'm ready for this one. So John 8, 12 through 20, and God's word says this. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Please be seated. Let's pray one more time here. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the ability that you've given us to read words and hear words and think and understand. And, and we want to, you to build on that because we need your Holy Spirit to help us with these spiritual things. So help us now as we interact uh, with your text and as you interact with us as we do this. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's a funny story. It's funny. We all make mistakes. That's what I hope this woman reporter uh, asking the question of the NFL coach, this is what I hope she's being reminded of as, as she gets her consolation. She gave a very, very sophisticated, knowledgeable question on the surface. She was talking to the Tampa Bay coach, and they're going to play Detroit, I think, today. And she asked him, she said, Coach, looking forward to Detroit. The weather has been a factor in some of the playoff games, even for the most prepared teams. Today it's 13 degrees in Detroit, which doesn't compare to some of the temperatures. Do you have any special plans to acclimate the team to not only endure but perform in those kind of frigid temperatures in Detroit. And I, I went, I, I read it, then I looked at it, and the coach didn't belittle her. He just answered the question. He said, you do know we are playing in a dome in Detroit, right? He said, so the, really the only acclimation is the 20 seconds between the bus to the dome. Uh, somebody said, at least she didn't ask this. Coach, Sunday you'll be facing lions. These are notoriously dangerous beasts weighing up to 450 pounds. How are you preparing your team for these ferocious animals? Uh, at least she didn't ask that. Uh, but you hear these things 
and we've all been there. And I would think that the dialogue, as you see it unfold between the Pharisees who knew the law, who could ask such sharp questions, these lawyer types, and you see them interacting with Jesus. And they ask such questions that seem so smart, and they're not. Uh, That's what we have going on today. Dialogue between the religious experts and Jesus taking on similar ridiculous overtones as these know-it-all Pharisees confront Jesus. And so in this passage, one more, one of many, some recorded as Holy Scripture, uh, some just uh, that happened and, and, um, and, and God choosing not to let those make it into the pages of the sacred text. But all of these dialogues pointing us in an opportunity again for Jesus to explain who he is, why he came, what's significant about the way he lived. And we get to see that this morning, and it will encourage us again about the person and work of Christ. So essentially, uh, as, I, as I looked at it and outlined it, two points, but a lot of subpoints. Two points. One is Jesus' initial claim. I am the light of the world. And the second point, the pushback. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, in verse 12. He was saying this at the Feast of Tabernacles. He had said a couple of times, uh, already teaching about himself. Earlier he had said in uh, chapter 7, verse 37, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He's reacting to the feast where there was a water-pouring ceremony. And Jesus' claim is he looked at the water and the people doing this to commemorate and look back at their Old Testaments. He's saying, I'm the fulfillment. If you're thirsty, you come to me and drink. At this feast, there were also four great candelabras on the first night of the feast, and they lit these candles up, and there was light there. And Quite possibly here on the last day, the candelabras were still there, though the light wasn't. And Jesus is looking at the lights that were lit up as a remembrance. And he's saying, I'm the light that is here permanently. This light doesn't extinguish. We don't know exactly, exactly, exactly like to a scientific precision what the water and light ceremonies were to commemorate. Smart people, even, even smart people like, like us, our, our degree, we can look at our scriptures and we can say, most likely it was those two great ways that God provided for his people in the wilderness. They're out there in the wilderness and they're thirsty. Here's the water coming from the rock. Smite the rock or speak to the rock. Don't smite the rock. Speak to the rock. And here comes the water to... Uh, quench the thirst of God's people as they are moving from captivity to the promised land. And the light being the pillar of cloud and the fire that led them through the wilderness as they journeyed from their slavery to the promised land. Now there are several famous, and you might have heard sermon series on this or read little essays about this. This is interesting. Jesus gave a series of 
statements. We call them the I am statements. It goes back, ego eimi is the Greek word, the I am statements. It goes back to God saying to Moses, I am who I am, I am, and Jesus saying, I am. And uh, we've had one of these in our sermon series, John 6, 35, where Jesus said, I am the bread of life. We have this one here, I am the light of the world. We're coming up to John 10, 9, I am the door. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and the life. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then John 15, 5, I am the vine. Jesus is taking exclusivity. He's taking God-like characters, the God name on himself because he's God. And he's applying who he is as God to various things that we can see and understand. And here he's saying, I am the light of the world. We've got to be thinking about Jesus today. Um, This is not just an intellectual exercise. It's not a debate over the book of church order. It's not uh, 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 a discussion of the who's going to win that football game. It's it's not that. Um, It's good stuff, and those things are good things, and God gives us brains and gives us ability to do those things. Uh, But this is talking about Jesus and who he is and what he said about himself. And this applies to our life here on earth, but it applies to our eternal life. So let's listen and think about Jesus as the light. Consider the parallel between yourself and the children of Israel in slavery. Bondage, not their own. Mundane existence. Yeah, there were goals set for them, uh, for their work, much like we have people that set goals for us or we set goals for ourselves. There was a slavery, there was a bondage. Uh, It was, uh, they wouldn't have probably even called it the rat race. Uh, There was nothing. There was no weekend to work for. Uh, There was nothing but work, work, work. Slave, slave, slave. We can kill your babies if we want, if we think you're overpopulating. We can make you go gather the bricks and still keep your quotas up. It was a slavery. It was a mundane existence. Boy, aren't you glad you don't live then? Boy. Don't some of those things, as I just described them, make you think in your rat race, in your bondage, before you're a believer, that you live then? Don't we have our own overlords? And God rescued them from slavery. And if you're a believer, he rescued you from your slavery. And you are walking through a world of darkness, and you need Jesus to be the light your light, just like that pillar of, of cloud in the day and light by night. Uh, somebody described one time, pastor, back when I was in seminary and we went to his, his church and he was, uh, first time I thought of this, he said, what would it have been like to come out of your slavery, to be not quite sure where you're going, 
but to be a little kid in your tent and to kind of crawl and, and look toward the door and to see at night, yes, that light is still shining there. What reassurance. And the light gets ready to move. You follow it. Daytime, the pillar of cloud is, is what it was. That, that light was looked and appeared to them as a pillar of cloud. They followed it through to the promised end of their journey. Scripture talks a lot about light and darkness. This is a running metaphor throughout the scriptures. I'm going to read several of them and just think about light and think about darkness and and put it into the context of Jesus saying, I am the light, and you saying, I'm going to follow that light. Think about this in those terms. Here's Isaiah 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in darkness, on them has light shined. Psalm 27.1 The Lord is my light and my salvation. Psalm 82 verse 5 talks about people opposed to God and it says, They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. Proverbs 4.19, the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. Isaiah 59.9, justice is far from us, and righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light, and behold darkness, and for brightness, but we walk in gloom. Ephesians 6.12, we wrestle against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Zephaniah 1.15, a day of wrath is that day, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. And we have a Savior named Jesus who said, I am the light of the world. Even go back to the first record we have of the world and the world in darkness and chaos and and things and into that speaks God's voice. Let there be what? Let there be light. And your Savior Jesus as a way to encourage you says, I am the light of the world. Going on to say, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Think of your life. Some find it easier if they are people who became Christians later on in life, and they really can draw a contrast between the darkness and the light. But I'm telling you, um, this is your story even if at an early age you received the Lord Jesus Christ and you repented and you put your faith in him, you went from darkness to light. We were on a vacation. This just occurred to me. This is just kind of a, keep the thought, but but think about how funny this sounds to the world. We were on vacation. It was one of our older girls, and I forget which one. But we had stayed at a hotel, and we had left this favorite stuffed animal. 
behind. <laughs> it was between the bed and the wall or something. And did you get it? Did you get it? The girl didn't get it. All that. And we were maybe, I don't know, an hour down the road. This is the days before cell phones. And all of a sudden, where's whatever that animal's name was? And I pulled over, and I called that hotel, and sure enough, they had found it. And we were going to double back. It was that critical in the emotional uh, life of our child, in our, in our own emotional lives, to have a trip the rest of the way without that animal being brought up. But I said to the woman, I said, oh, thanks. I said, our daughter has just passed from, from, from darkness into light now, because <laughs> I'd been reading this passage. And she went, uh-huh. Uh, oh, whatever, okay. The animal will be at the front desk when you come back. Um, darkness to life might not apply to that situation, but it applies to your situation if you're a believer. Think about it. Once I was lost, now I'm found. Once I was blind, now I see. Once I was a slave to the world... Now I am free, and even though the Bible describes that as slavery to God properly, by the way, it doesn't even feel like slavery to God. It feels like the best freedom I've ever had. And now I'm following the light. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Follow me. Follow the light. It's not just a description he's giving about salvation, but about the continuing Christian life of Following the light. Didn't read these verses. I, I started a little later in our confession of sin and our, our declaration of absolution. But sometimes we hear this, and, and I use these verses after our time of confession of sin. This is 1 John 1, 6 and 7. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, in other words, if we're fake Christians, we say we have fellowship with him and we're walking in darkness. We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I wanted to make a point here, just a little textual point. Jesus did not say, I am a light of the world, I'm a light. Give me a try, or you try those other ones. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a possible way for you to see. You know, he, it's, it's, a, it's a direct, it's, it's a, um, what did I write? It's a definite article. That's why I write these things down. It's a definite article. Not a light, but the light. I am the one and only light. I am the light. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. According to God's word, if light is shown into your heart and you are following the light through this dark world, you have nothing to dread. You just keep following the light. Picture a, a, a bad weather forecast and you out on the road and here comes the snow, here came the snow, you've got to get home. And think about the great relief there's the snow plow. It is pushing the ice and snow off the road. Here comes the salt or chemicals, whatever they're dropping. 
and I can see those lights, those tail lights. And, and boy, if that plow stays on that road right to my house, I'm going to be so thankful. But as long as it's heading that direction, I'm not going to, there's no light out here. It's, it's, it's swirling wind. I've got my headlights. They can only see, but I can see those lights. I'm going to follow that light to my house. And Jesus said, just like that light led the children of Israel through the wilderness, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. You're walking in a dark world. Follow that light. Fixate on those lights that are taking you to safety. You say, (laughs) somebody's with you, they go, hey, this is taking too long. I know a shortcut. Don't listen to them. (laughs) Follow the light. That's what we're saying. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Uh, Don't take your shortcuts. Follow. Fixate on Jesus, the light. Follow Jesus. Have the light of life. You're doing that. You're a Christian. You're doing that. And you're walking through the various stages of life. Uh, We were talking on the way up to Presbytery. Boy, it's tough uh, being a young parent and navigating uncertain headlines. It's, it's tough in this world being at any stage, whoever you are. We have our stages, and we're all at different parts of the pathway. But we've got to follow the light. Jesus is the light. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't walk in darkness, but you will have the light of life. And so Jesus made that one statement. And here come the know-it-alls. Here comes the the people who are feeling a little threatened by him, who want to push back on him, who want to get off topic. It says in verse 13, the Pharisees said to him, you're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. And they were going back on this, the need for two witnesses that was in Scripture. And it's even a, Basically, so this is point number two, the pushback, verses 18 through 30. Uh, They rightly knew he was talking about himself. They just said, he's wrong. Question for you is, what do you say? Not what do the Pharisees say? What do you say about Jesus? When you hear the words, I am the light of life, what do you say and how are you responding to that? Yes, I know you are and I'm going to follow you, Jesus. And, uh, Oh, I drifted off a little bit. I better catch up. I want to follow you. Gospel message is plain and clear. It's very simple. Boy, there's enough of an intellectual feast in your scriptures. But you boil it down to what is the gospel and start there. Anybody can understand the words. It's about believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's about if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So they have this ensuing conversation. They're asking him these things and they want to debate these things and Jesus just makes it a good teaching opportunity for us because This word is coming right to our scripture for us to even think about here in Danbury on this January morning. Verse 14, 
where Jesus is answering them and where they've done. It's basically a carrying on of this running conversation they've had with them, uh, going back even to John 5.31 that we talked about, where Jesus said, if I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me. And in that section, if you remember, he goes on to talk about John the Baptist bearing witness about him. He goes on to talk about uh, the Father bearing witness, the Scriptures. He's saying there are multiple witnesses. Uh, You don't have to just take my one word for it. There are other witnesses. Uh, Boy, that's important in life. One person can say one thing. You don't base your actions on that. You wait for the other witness. You wait for some corroborating evidence. God set that up in the Old Testament times just to protect people. They're saying, yeah, you're just talking about yourself. You're only one witness. You're the only one. You, And Jesus says, okay, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, verse 14, for I know where I came from and where I'm going. You do not even know where I came from or where I am going. He says, you judge according to the flesh in verse 15. I judge no one. Okay, all of a sudden you say, this is Jesus contradicting himself. You judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. The way the Greek is constructed, the way the dialogue is going, he's essentially saying, you judge everything according to the flesh, I judge no one according to the flesh in the way you do. I know that there's a spiritual dimension beyond this fleshly way of looking at things. I'm looking at it spiritually. You're only claiming to look at it spiritually, but you're just looking at it according to the flesh. He knew where he came from. He knew why he came. This is the person in the work of Christ that we talk about. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came to be the substitutionary atonement for the sins of his people. He even says uh, in verse 16, I judge no one according to the flesh in 15, yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it's not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. There's your second witness, and there's your dimension that it belongs in, spiritual. He says, you want two witnesses? Look at verses 17 and 18. You need your two witnesses? You want to get technical about that? In your law... It is, written about the test, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. Now, people say it's interesting. I'm just going to call it interesting and not, not go off too deep. I'm going to try and keep following those taillights of, of the light and not go way, way off on a side trail. But people have asked about it. Maybe you could do your own little study on this and think about it. He says, in your law... It says this. Well, isn't it his law? Yes, it is his law. But because they are limiting themselves to that being their law, he says even in your own way of looking at things, your own half-truth, your own little religiosity, even there it says two witnesses, I'll, I'll grant you that. He knew the law better than they knew it. And he said, yeah, there's the two witnesses, me and the Father who sent me. And the question for us is, whose 
your father. We're asking that. Jesus said, if you knew me, you would know my father also. How do we take and apply this to our lives? This statement, I'm the light, follow the light, whoever follows me. Um, Here's what somebody wrote, and I liked how they wrote it, so I just put it down word, word for word. I'll read it. Ponder the profundity of what Jesus has just asserted. God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and God the eternal Son, through whom the world was made and redeemed and will be renewed, joined together to bear witness to creatures they made. Father and Son are looking at you, and they say, I've got a good message for you. I've got something you need to hear. You go, I'm just a creature you've made. Why would you, God, stoop to bear witness to me? That's a good question. The answer is God loves you. God wants to save you. God calls you. God will save you. They are bearing witness. They joined together to bear witness to the creatures they made. And then listen to this sad follow-up. And the testimony of the Father and the Son is rejected by the people they made and endowed with the power to think and decide for themselves. If you are currently rejecting Jesus as the light of the world, you're making a big mistake. You're making a colossal mistake. We make mistakes and we go, well, it's one life. I've only got X amount of years to live. I'm going to just do this. What a big mistake. Factor in eternity. Factor that in. You don't just have 10 years, 20 years, or all of my life. What does all of my life mean? Pick up the newspaper. I used to joke with one of my older daughters. Be out there waiting for the bus, and and back when I would get the newspaper, I think we had to get some papers so we could light the fire with or something, so we needed some papers and line some bird cages or something, but I would get the paper, and I would joke every day. I'd say, let's see who who we outlived today. I was trying to teach a message. But think about how long are you going to live? Who knows? God knows. How long are you going to live eternally? Forever. And you are following Jesus, who is the light of the world, and he says, you just follow me. I'm going to get you safely home. I'll say it again. If you're currently rejecting Jesus as the light of the world, you're making a big mistake. If you've responded to his call, if you've received that light shining in your heart, you've repented of your sin because the light that shone into your heart showed you that you in your own self cannot save yourself. It showed you uh, not just your evil deeds, but the, the evilness of your evil deeds. And that light shone in there and, and all of a sudden you understood that. 
and you repented of your sin and you did the only proper thing you can do after that is to place your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, all of a sudden that light has shone into your life. Jesus, the light of the world, has shone into your life when he saved you. And you've begun to follow that light in the darkness of this world. And all I can say in conclusion for you, Christian, is keep following. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this dialogue that we got to see and and listen in on. Thank you that you chose this to be part of your sacred scriptures that we can believe in and depend on. And we thank you for the encouragement. We thank you that there is a light that we can point others to, that we can keep following ourselves. And we thank you that that is leading us somewhere. It's not putting us in park uh, to stop and put everything on hold and just sit, but we are following that light. We are following that light, and then we see about Jesus in heaven. And there's no need for the sun there because his glory lights up the place. And we thank you that we get to be children of light and not children of darkness. And help us to love and understand and share the good news of of the gospel with those who are currently in darkness. We pray that so many people, people we pray for on our prayer lists and people that we encounter will come to the light and be light followers, Jesus followers with us. It's in his name we pray. Amen.